Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations with Calvin, uh, where I always do a little chronological thing where we're well into December and, and getting close to Christmas. Uh, and there are interviews and there are interviews. This is my monologue, by the way, Scott, my official monologue. And, and I always say this is my Johnny Carson monologue. And it's so interesting because half the people I interview have no clue who Johnny Carson was. And, and I have to compose myself because I interview a lot of Gen Z's and I don't expect them to know who. Uh, but there are interviews in our interviews. And this is this is such a, a, a special interview with Scott White. And, and I got to tell you how it all came about quickly. We we uh, have to thank Dr. Gloria Bachman, OBGYN, uh, MD, uh, director of the Women's Health Institute at Rutgers Robert Wood Johnson Medical School. Uh, I met Gloria five years ago. We're great friends. We work together in the Women's Health Institute. We work on One Health together. Uh, and and Gloria, actually, she's like my greatest PR person because she's always... So uh, there was a lecture. She spoke. Scott had met her uh, after the lecture. I'm getting my story right. And Gloria said, you know, you ought to... You ought to uh, uh, if you want, I, I can connect you and Scott White. Uh, together there's some commonality um and, and she sent me an email i said yeah sure great this is great i'd love to and of course i uh i'm a good journalist i, I checked scott out on, on linkedin and, and i go oh, wow this is great what i love to interview scott uh the commonality you know rutgers glaring uh and of course uh he wrote the life is too short guy which i'm just going to quickly hold up talking about happiness and other elements. And, and I'm such a big fan of that for so many reasons. Uh, and, and it's so funny because I, uh, as I'm looking and, and learning about Scott, getting composing an email to introduce myself to Scott, uh, I keep looking at his picture. And, and um, again and again, I come back and again and again, and then I blow it up. And I said, I know this guy, you know, uh, I know this guy and 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 I know him from the rack, which is now Jersey Mike's Arena. Uh and and we've been sitting in adjacent sections, I don't know, for 15 years. And and I get there really early because I'm crazy. And I always watch him and his wife, sometimes kids coming up the steps. And sometimes we just, you know, wave to each other because it's, you know, we're Rutgers fans and that's what we do. Anyway, uh that is the essence uh, and, uh, uh, and, and the energizer. I said, oh, wow, this is going to be such a great interview. So this Johnny Carson monologue is done because here we are. I'm with Scott White, who wrote, again, The Life is Too Short Guy, Strategies to Make Every Day the Best Day Ever. Uh, and and uh, I could talk for an hour myself on just how important this is, the whole institution of happiness, because the planet needs it. And and so I'm done, Scott. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so really, much for the invitation. Truly, truly, it's truly wonderful. Yep. Uh, so I guess the best way, you know, a little intro, a little bio, and we'll start. Uh, we'll start uh, dissecting your life and your work. Perfect. Well, let, let's away. start with let, let's start with the commonality. That's the easiest thing. Rutgers grad, very proud of it. I was both a Rutgers undergrad and a Rutgers business school student. I, uh, I went through the MBA program, did the joint BA MBA, 
in the mid-90s and, and today define a lot of myself, my persona, and my passions around Rutgers have done a lot there since. So let, let, let's start there. After I graduated from Rutgers, um, I went on and worked in accounting for a couple of years. I was a, an auditor with Price Waterhouse, and then I, I went back to law school. This is a time that I actually very seriously considered coming to Rutgers Law School, was close to coming to Rutgers Law School, and decided to just get a different perspective. I ended up uh, at the University of Pennsylvania Law School, Never, never uh, practiced. I graduated law school. I got admitted to the bars and then went right into a career in, in finance. And that's pretty much where I've spent the last 25-ish years. And I started on Wall Street for about uh, 15 years. And then about a decade ago, started a more entrepreneurial endeavor in the seniors housing space, nursing homes, assisted living, medical office buildings. And and that's where I am today. Today, I am the chairman and CEO of a public company by the name of Invesc, and we own and in some parts of the country operate seniors housing assets, memory care, assisted living, medical office buildings. And it, it's been a wild and wonderful and fun ride. That's the quick bio. Wow, that's a great bio. Uh, I I just have to go back. Uh, I'm, I'm so taken with you know having gone to law school, there's no it's no piece of cake. It's a tough, tough, tough uh, undertaking. And to finish that and then uh, to move on to other things and not having practiced law, um, that's a wow in, in my book. Um, you know, that that kind of education, that commitment. Uh, I always remember the movie The Paper Chase um, uh, with John Houseman. A long time ago and and you get a great picture of, of the intensity of, of law school um but uh so that it's testament to you uh you know that you kind of moved on uh so uh chronologically you're 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 now with invesc uh, uh along the way you've done some other things and just before we get to the book uh you, you've done something called specter student living can you yep. um, talk about that? So that's one of the things, look, I think as you highlighted with the law school experience, life takes twists and turns, careers take twists and turns, and, and I'm always looking for new challenges and new opportunities. And uh, I guess about five years ago, myself and a couple of partners started a student housing development company. We were called Spectra. We've developed about seven properties today to right. various parts of the country. They're, they're right. in Texas and Georgia and Florida and Indiana and Michigan and we own and operate pedestrian to campus. So this is the ability to walk from a, a student housing asset or, or student housing facility to campus. And, and you know, I'm a, a huge fan of education. I'm a huge, huge fan of the academic environment. Again, getting back to Rutgers, I'm a big fan of Rutgers and, and to get involved in some way in improving something around education was, was an interest to me. So as it's, I'd say it's, um, it's a hobby. You know, I, I have a full-time job, which is Invesc. I'm, I'm a founder and strategic partner at Spectra, and it it entertains me, keeps me um, busy, keeps me interested, keeps me learning. I think that's really important to continuously learn, and I've had a lot of fun with it. Great, great. Okay, uh, while we're here, because we want to talk about the life is too short guy, I keep holding that up. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I just finished my second novel. Uh, and um, so when and how does an idea, uh, I always like to ask people this, 
where and how and when the idea for the life is too short guy where did that how did that come about where how and what was your process this is a loaded question what was your process to write this so um as i said before as it related to spectra and other things i'm always looking for a new challenge something interesting i i think to to stay fresh to stay happy you got to constantly challenge yourself set goals um and try to accomplish them and one of the goals i had set for myself years ago i'd say a decade or more ago was someday i'll write a book and and someday was just literally someday there wasn't a specific timeline I think at one point it was on my five-year plan, but it felt like a rolling five-year plan without making progress on it. And then last year, last year being 2021, early in the year, I'd say January, February during COVID, I started working with a new executive coach. Again, getting back to my point on education, I think it's important to continuously be improving. And one of the ways I do that is I, I work with different coaches for different things. And I had met a new coach, his name is Kevin. And and Kevin gave me a battery of assessments when we first started to figure out what, how I tick, how I think, what I want to accomplish, so on and so forth. And in our second meeting, he's like, Scott, you're you're like Mr. Life is too short guy. Everything has to get done now. Everything is happy, is grateful, is positive. You're the, you're the life is too short guy. And I, I sort of smiled. I'm like, yeah, I think that's true. I'd never really heard it that way, but I agree. And then that night, I mentioned it to my wife and, and, you know, I'm very grateful and, and truly blessed. I've been with my wife since high school. There's no one that knows me better. Um, that night I mentioned it to her and she's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. I definitely can see you as the, the Mr. Life is too short guy. And maybe that's the concept for the book you've talked about. And, and it, my initial reaction was like, what, what is that book going to be about? It was almost like, a um, uh, it just didn't click with me. I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe. And, and, you know, she, she knows me really well. Again, we've been together a long time and she, she planted those seeds. And then over the next couple of days, she, she watered those seeds and, and fertilized those seeds. And, and it, it percolated in my head and she checked in with me after a couple of days. Hey, do you think about that book? Do you think there's something there? And I'm like, well, you know, on my run this morning, I was thinking about this or that. And I sat down and I wrote out a, a brief outline. I started outlining a few pages. Again, this was early 2021. And then I think it rolled into the spring, call it March. And, and again, circling a little bit back to our, our common theme and our common interest in, in Rutgers. Basketball is a big thing for me. I love basketball. And I feel like in March, the world shuts down and all I focus on is basketball. Uh, maybe I'll blame it on that. But but the book outline sort of paused in the middle of, of call it March of 2021. And then early in January, I was uh, doing a webinar, again, getting back to the theme of constantly improving, constantly looking for ways to learn. I saw a webinar by this uh, professor, professor by the name of Eric Coaster. Eric is a professor at Georgetown, and he was doing a, a webinar on, on writing a book, and, and he teaches at Georgetown in the MBA program, and he was offering an opportunity for people that are interested in writing a book to do a, a call with him to talk about their idea, their concept. So I'm like, all right, I sign up. I do a 15-minute call, and I remember getting on the call. I'm like, Eric, look, I, I, I'm the chairman and CEO of a public company, and I've written a few times a few articles on human resources, culture, building a great team. So you know, maybe that's my book. And then I got this idea, like this concept, life is too short, guy. Live in the moment, passion, excitement, energy. Like, you only have so many minutes. He's like, that's your book. And I said, Eric, maybe, but I don't know what I would do with it. He's like, you'll figure it out. I could see by your passion, by your energy. When I said, what do you want to do? You started with, well, I could kind of write about culture and human resources, or I could write about life is too short guy. It's obvious to me what will, will resonate and we'll figure it out over the course of, the, of the, the class. And he basically, he had a class and over the last, I guess, year, 
I I wrote the book. I edited the book. I worked with probably a half dozen or more different editors, copy editor, layout editor, revisions editor, development editor, so on and so forth. And uh, as we now get into late 2022 and early 2023, we're about ready to publish in early 2023. It'll be out, it'll be published. And I'm so excited. I would say of all the things I've done in the last decade, this is probably my most exciting passion project. Years ago, I, I read uh, a blurb from Norman Mailer. And, and he said that for a guy writing a book, it's pretty much the same as a woman giving birth. Interesting analogy. It's a, it was a very interesting uh, analogy that that always resonated that a lot with ways. me, and I thought about it because the book becomes well, my book is my baby. Yep, and and I put so much into it. You you want it to grow, you know, from from laying in a boppy to. To, to crawling, to walking. I mean, the whole process, it's my baby. And um, so listening you. to you, that's what made me, made me think about. Um, so that's how this all came about. The life is too short, guy. I, I got to hold it up again. Um, and this is uh, my, my edit, and I've said this to you a few times, uh, Scott, uh, my observation, because I sit here for, you know, I'm 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 the card carrying member of AARP um, for almost a quarter of a century. If that, yeah, which is hugely scary, uh, uh, and uh, which gives me lots of time to read and and I read a million different things. And we were talking about this, uh, you know, about the whole institution of happiness that the world, what do we need? Do we need uh, uh, vehicles of happiness? Is, and, and that's what you are. You're so upbeat and happy. Um, so uh, just a, a, who ultimately, I mean, I have my ideas, but who ultimately should be reading Life is Too Short Guy? Everyone, literally everyone. That's the beauty of this is that it is, we live in a society and in a world where we are tainted by too much negative negativity, too much focus on, you know, recent studies have said something like 90% of all news media have a, a negative angle. And you're like, all right, fine, that's news media. Okay, well, 80% of all thoughts are negative. Oh, well, okay, that's interesting. 95% of all employees right now are considering leaving and 60% are burnt out, right? We've been more unhappy. The University of Chicago did a study in 2020, I believe it was. We as an American society have been more unhappy than we've been in the last 50 years. Now, think about how far we've come as a society in terms of advancements in medicine, in terms of advancements in, in dealing with global issues, yet we dwell upon all the negativity in our world. For me, this is an opportunity to say to everyone, and now answering your question directly, Calvin, who should read this? Everyone. So specifically, give me give me some examples, right? Some some examples is every high school kid should be reading this, should, should be thinking about, I am about to embark on the next phase of my life. What lens do I need? How do I succeed? How do I make every day the best day ever? What about college students? I can't think of anybody more at a, a malleable point in their lives where you could put thoughts and put ideas and put concepts and give examples to say, you know what? I don't have to wait for that aha moment, that kick in the head, that proverbial sort of setback, I could live my best life ever today. What about that that 
employee, that teammate of yours, that's kind of feels like they're stuck. They're, they're going through the motions and it's a job, but I'm not really excited about it. That person should be reading about the book. What about somebody that just gave birth? Your example of, of giving birth, that person is embarking on a new phase of life. They should be reading the book. What about the person that just retired? Absolutely. Again, a new opportunity to say, am I living my best life today, every day? What about someone that's had a major setback? Because the book, we talk a lot about setbacks. I give a lot of examples and, and some are actually tied to, to some of Rutgers alum that have had to deal with death, that have had to deal with catastrophic injuries, that have had to deal with um, uh, suicide attempts, that have had to deal with uh, depression, that have had to deal with um, addictions, right? So anyone, regardless of where they are in their life, I would implore to say, stop today, literally today, as you're listening to this, and reflect on where you are in your life. Is it the best day ever? A lot of people say to me, oh, Scott, how, how could every day be the best day ever? Is that realistic? And my answer is absolutely, because it's all about perspective. It's all about how you view the world. Today's the best day ever. Like I'm truly grateful, no kidding, that our paths have crossed. And you didn't even say this in the, in the intro, but as we tie through our history, our paths have probably crossed a half a dozen other times in our lives, yet we never made that connection. So I feel truly blessed and excited to say, wow, finally we connected the dots. And now you're bringing me on this amazing forum for me to spread my message, to tell the world, today's the day to live the best life ever. Today's the day to think about where am I and where am I going? Everyone could benefit from this. To, to further substantiate what you're saying, my own personal experience, you know, there's a lot of notions out there about self-help books and, and a lot of people say, oh, geez, I'll do it myself. I don't need somebody telling me and by the way, I subscribe to that for a chunk of my life. Uh, I don't need, you know, I'll do it myself. You know, it's funny. I never took te tennis lessons. I love tennis. Uh, my 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 thought was, well, whoever invented the game of tennis never took a lesson. So why should I? But again, the purpose of my little comment here is, is to support reading this because it, it, it so the, the whole self-help uh, uh, my sister, I'm trying to spit this out. My my sister some years ago when I was in, in eyewear sales gave me a book, The Power of Now. Um, and I said, well, I don't really want to read it. Um, I, I don't need it. She's got to just read it a little bit. So I read a chapter or two. And, 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 and I have to tell you, that was transformative in my life. And I live by that to this day. Of the power of now is the only thing that's really relevant in, in whatever happened yesterday means nothing really unless you learn from it and what's going to happen tomorrow tomorrow is you know the day after today and and that doesn't uh but what's relevant is now so but anyway my 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 message is to people that when a, a great powerful message like that comes along jump on it because it really it works it works, the system works, and people are there to help. And and what's wrong with being happy? Um, what would you say your mission is, uh, Scott? To make the world happier one smile at a time. Truly, I want to see people happier. If, if one person watching this walks away for one minute smiling, even if they're like, wow, this guy's nuts, but huh, it's kind of interesting, then I've accomplished my mission. I, I feel like there's so much opportunity. Again, we dwell on the negative. We all lead with, this is bad, politics in America, war, 
um, famine, um, depression, whatever, all the words that you see falling at you all the time. I want to have people stop and think like, wow, it's an amazing day. I look out the window right now. It's raining, but that's fantastic because we need rain to as part of the natural cycle. And the fact that it's raining makes me less disappointed that I'm not out running or doing something. I'm in here and I have this opportunity. So no matter which way you look, there's a positive angle to it. And I want more and more, I want everyone, quite frankly, I'm somewhat realistic, but I want everyone to wake up with that perspective to say, you know what? Today is the best day of my life. I'm going to give it my best shot and live my best life, no matter what happens. And by the way, we all have setbacks. You'd be crazy to say that, that every day absolutely is the best day, but I try my best to make it that way. That's great. Uh, we're, we're both involved in, in the world of Rutgers and, and Rutgers is inhabited by Gen Z's uh, students. Um, uh, and that's an important thing for me. I, you know, I taught at Rutgers three years ago. I had experienced this wonderful, great joy of teaching. Uh, should, should Gen Z's jump all over this? You may have no touched question. on this before, but. No question. Look, I, I think. Uh, like everything else in life, it, I think it's easier to form habits and to learn things when you're younger than you're older. Doesn't mean you can't learn every day, by the way. I think we learn until the day we die. And I implore people in the book to make every day a learning opportunity. But as you're younger, you have more opportunity ahead to, to live the life that you want to live, to take the lessons that you learn. So for me, the younger you are, the better to, to take this message, to think about it. So reading the book is just a piece of the puzzle. It's not about reading the book. It's actually about stepping back and saying, okay, what's my first thought when I wake up in the morning? Okay, what am I doing today to make the world better? Okay, how am I viewing whatever, fill in the blank, This the, the setback at work, the setback in a relationship, the setback in my health, whatever that thing is that's been thrown at you, how am I dealing with it? How am I approaching it? What I try to talk about in the book and and the philosophy I call Litzig, life is too short guy, Litzig, is to live this philosophy. It's not just sort of, all right, memorize 10 bullet points and I'm going to smile and do this and do that. It's about learning to live a philosophy that makes you happier and those around you happier by the way you view the world and what you do with your minutes. Okay. Before we talk about Litzig, I, I just want to go off topic. Um I didn't tell you, but I was going to go off topic. Just a one quick question. You don't even have to answer it. Uh, it's a fun question. Uh, you can. You know, it's a one-word thing, uh, but I, I like this question. Um, so here goes. Excluding family or friends, uh, somebody living or dead you'd like to spend a day with. You don't have to answer it. Um, interesting question. Um it is an interesting question. You know, I usually I, I've gotten a question like that before and I, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use the lens of leadership to answer it. And and I look at Ronald Reagan as a great leader. If there's one person I'd like to learn from and one person that I've observed and I, I think that I'd like to patent some of my own leadership skills off of is Ronald Reagan. So I'll answer that. I, I don't know if, you know, that's a bit of a didn't give it a lot of thought. And, you know, if you really only have one person in all of life's history is that the one i don't know but that's the immediate response okay that's that's great answer uh i just watched something about ronald uh reagan um there's not enough written about him uh, but quite an interesting man and and i uh and i agree and by the way he was really real um authentic authentic you know, he was really real um i i have anecdotal stories but anyway moving along so uh, talk about 
and dissect the, the Litzig philosophy, the life is too short guy philosophy. So it, it's it's meant to be a holistic approach. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through it fairly quickly, but there's ten principles associated with it. But I emphasize, and I said this before, it's not about memorizing ten principles. If I say to you, you know, let, let's talk about the Litzig philosophy. What's number seven? That's that's the wrong approach. The idea is to think about what underlies the ten principles and how you can incorporate them in your life. So the leading one, the most important one, the foundational one of them all is attitude is everything, the power of positivity. So much of how you approach the day, and I hinted at this before, is what is your first thought in the morning? Have you have you ever proactively thought about it? Do you remember what the first thing was you thought about when you opened your eyes this morning? I encourage people to be proactive because you're setting the tone for the day. You could wake up, as many people do, and be like, Oh, it's Tuesday and I still have four days until the weekend. Or, oh, I got to have lunch with so-and-so and and I really don't want to do this, but I'm going through the motions. Or, oh, I got this appointment that I've been kind of dreading. Or you can wake up and be like, wow, it is amazing. I'm laying next to someone I love, maybe maybe not, depending on who you are. I have a roof over my head. I am in a comfortable bed. Today I have the opportunity to to be on Calvin's show. Today I have the opportunity to, to spend some time with my family. And by the way, I'm only about 10 seconds into the day and I'm already fired up and excited. I've set the tone for the day. Attitude is everything, the power of positivity. Related to that, the second principle is choose your attitude and own it. So you have the ability to choose how you approach things. And one of the fascinating things I came across in my research for the book, and and I think this is one of the stats. I don't use a lot of stats in the book. The book is a very practical, approachable, readable book. It's not an academic. You're going to walk away with with all sorts of of empirical evidence. But this data, I think, is really important to me. Um, so, So your happiness is in part predicated on your genes. That's the reality. About 50% of your happiness has been empirically proven is based on your genes. Okay. So that's 50%. That still leaves the other 50%. So then I ask people of that 50% or of the whole pie, 100%, what percent do you think is based on your circumstances, your job, your pay, your car, your house, the birth of a child, a death, uh, a divorce, but what percent of that holistic pie, let's start with a hundred is based on that. You have any idea? I don't know. Um, the other 50%, I mean, I don't know. How about 10%? 10%. 10%. And that's what blows people's minds is, wow. is everyone's, not everyone, a lot of people have this belief that, you know, he's so happy because he's the president of this company. She's so happy because she's married to so-and-so. They're so happy because they drive some fancy car. 10% of your happiness is predicated on your circumstances. Wow. That means 40%. Wow. 40%. Is your perspective, your attitude, wow. the lens through which you view the world. I think that's one of the most important foundational principles of Litzig. You control at least 40% of your happiness. And by wow. the way, I would argue you even control part of that 10%, that part that that sort of is, is circumstantial. You kind of control that too. So that's the second principle. The third principle is little things make a big difference. And I think this one's important because I, I don't want as people read this book and think about the Litzig philosophy, it's not about changing your entire life. It's not about going through a transformational major, like, wow, I'm, I'm going to do everything differently today. Little things make a big difference. Okay. What are some of those little things? Smile. Just smile. How often do you proactively, proactively think about smiling? I don't mean when someone tells you to smile. I don't mean when you see something funny. I just mean you're getting in your car and you're like, wow, I'm pretty lucky, aren't I? Now, if we could each do that a few more times a day, will be happier. Now, sometimes another sort of little things make a big difference. We need symbols to remind us. And I'm a believer in 
There should be a quote next to your computer that makes you smile, that makes you grateful. Maybe it's a poem. For me, I actually have a poem next to my computer. Maybe it's a picture or a or, or some sort of artwork or something that 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 inspires you. Symbols matter. Singing, whistling. How often do you just randomly sing or whistle? Again, this has been empirically proven that singing and whistling makes people happy. Now, at least it makes me happy. I don't know if it makes those around me happy, but it doesn't matter. If you bump into me, you might see me randomly singing. By the way, 80% of the time, I don't even know the words, but it doesn't matter. I'm just enjoying life, living in the moment. What about random acts of kindness? Again, I'm still within the little things make a big difference. How often do you go out of your way to perform a random act of kindness? How often? There was just an article in the Times about two months ago where researchers had had proven or, or argued, I should say, that the value of a random act of kindness is considerably greater to the recipient than the giver believes it is. So not giver versus recipient. But if I were to perform a random act of kindness on you, Calvin, I see you in the store and I just, I pay for your groceries or I help you load something in your car, you will appreciate that more than I actually realize you will appreciate it. Random acts of kindness, a little thing to make the world a better place. Uh, also within the, the little things matter, celebrate, celebrate often, celebrate constantly. It doesn't have to be massive. It doesn't have to be huge. It, it could be small wins. I will tell you, Last year, at this time of year, it was it was December, my family and I went out for dinner. And right before we left, I grabbed my iPad, I put it under my jacket, and when we sat down at dinner, I took the iPad out, I put it on the table. I have two teenage daughters that both looked at me like I was insane. What are you doing, Dad? We're in a nice restaurant, an iPad. And what I was doing was I had created a very short presentation, one page for each of the family members. So it's myself, my wife, my two kids, one page for us as a family one page for myself, my wife as a couple, and on it, it listed bullet points of all of our accomplishments for the year. And, and some of them were just so tiny and insignificant. Maybe it was a volunteer, some sort of volunteer thing that we did, or maybe it was uh, a grade promotion. And some people would argue, oh, you know, we live in a society now where, where we give out trophies for everything. That's fantastic. Give out more trophies. It's okay to celebrate life. I understand you need to distinguish people. You need to reward people for performance. I'm not suggesting everyone is a world champion, but we could celebrate the small things every day. And I encourage people to do that. So the first one was, was attitude is everything. The second one is choose your attitude. The third rule or the third principle is little things make a big difference. The fourth one is funny things are everywhere. I like to quote from there to here, from here to there, funny things are everywhere. The famous Dr. Seuss. And I think we can learn so much from that. Smile and laugh every day. Laugh at yourself, laugh at others, laugh with others. Laughter makes us happier. Find ways to laugh. And by the way, you could do it absolutely anywhere. I uh, unfortunately lost my, my father about 15 years ago. Uh, my father passed away and and I was standing at, at probably one of the lowest points of my entire life. I was standing at his casket. This was the, the private part before the family comes in. So it's myself, my brother, our, our spouses. And, and we're leaning over the, the coffin saying our goodbyes. And, and all of a sudden, uh, my phone rings. My phone rings, right? So so here you are at the worst point in your life. And, and humor is probably the lowest thing on your list. And I literally grab my phone. I'm like, hey, dad, what's up? What are you doing? Can I be helpful? Everyone in the room cracked up ridiculous, right? It's such a dumb example. My only point is there's an opportunity everywhere you are to find humor. This is an important principle of Litzig. 
Fifth one, minutes matter. Minutes are important and think about how you use your minutes. I don't in any way provide judgment on how you use your minutes. You could use your minutes any way you want. What I encourage people to do is think about them because I think too often we don't realize where we're spending our minutes and we're not prioritizing our minutes. When you're born, again, making some rough math assumptions with a life expectancy of plus or minus 80 and, and look, people will live longer and shorter, but plus or minus 80, you have about 42 million minutes in your life, okay? So with 42 million minutes in your life, just drawing a line in the middle and saying you're a 40-year-old, again, I'm just taking averages, you have 21 million minutes left. Everyone watching this could do their own math and adjust it. Of those 21 million minutes left for a 40-ish year old, you're going to sleep about a third of those. So now you're down to 14 million minutes. Of those 14 million minutes, some minutes are going to just, you're going to be sick, you're going to be injured, they're going to be things, especially in your later years where you don't have the full faculties to live every minute to the max. So as a 40-year-old, and again, you could adjust and do the math any way you want, you got about 10 million minutes left. It sounds like a lot, but what are you doing with them? I encourage people to think about a mental image. Think about a, 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 um, uh, a jug, a, a barrel, a barrel. For me, it's a wine barrel. For you or your viewers, it could be any kind of barrel. And that barrel has your minutes left. And think about whatever that's going to be. For me, it's little gold coins. And every time you do something, you're reaching into that barrel, you're grabbing out minutes, and you're using them. And my question to everyone listening to this and reading the book and my encouragement is think about where those minutes are going. Because again, you may decide, no judgment, I'm going to use these minutes to sit around and do nothing today because that's what's important to me. And that's fine. That's your choice. What I'm concerned about and what I think too many people do is the minutes just fall on the floor and the minutes leak out of the barrel. And all of a sudden they look back after a couple of weeks, months, years and be like, where, where did those minutes go? What am I doing with my life? Are you maximizing the value of what you want to do? Minutes matter. I've, uh, that's the fifth one. The sixth principle, which I mentioned before a few times, I think it's pretty important, is learn, learn, learn. Every day is an opportunity to learn. It doesn't have to be something earth shattering. It doesn't have to be a PhD class. It doesn't even have to be a college class. Look around and find something to learn new every day. There are, you know, Carol Dweck, who's a professor at Stanford, wrote a book called Mindset. She talks about two distinct mindsets. And I think it's important. There's the, the fixed mindset, and the growth mindset. And the fixed mindset, by the way, we all have attributes of both, but some are more than the other. The fixed mindset sort of believes they have all their knowledge. They generally believe that that learning or exposing themselves to learning opportunities is a, is a sign of weakness. If I don't already know it, it's probably not worth knowing, or I, you know, I'm going to fake it and pretend I know it. Whereas the growth mindset, and I would encourage people to go to an extreme growth mindset, say there's so much knowledge in the world, you could constantly be learning. Take every day, as an opportunity to learn something new, different, fun, interesting, exciting. It doesn't have to be career specific. I'll give you a great example. Just this year, earlier this year uh, in the winter, I think it was March or April, I find myself sitting in a, a, um, a conference room with no windows in the middle of absolutely nowhere at a rundown hotel an hour from my house. And the, the course starts with a gentleman standing at the front saying, I need everyone to shut their phones off and um, you'll get two breaks. Two breaks. And, and during those breaks, uh, I forget, you have an hour or 15 minutes, doesn't really matter. Um, if you're late, you won't be admitted back into the room and you can call your parents to pick you up. I'm looking around. Here I am, 50 years old. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly establishing my life and my career. I'm shutting off my phone and I'm going to call my parents to pick me up if I'm late coming back to class. By the way, what was I doing? I decided just on a lark, I wanted to learn to become a soccer referee. So I took a class and I became a soccer referee. And this year wow. I became a soccer referee. Just a goofy example of every day is an opportunity to learn. Embrace it. Do something with it. 
That's six. Number seven, passion. And, and again, I'm going to work on the, the Rutgers theme again. Um, when I interview people, and I interview people for lots of different roles, you know, junior roles, senior roles, board roles, my favorite question I ask people is, what is your passion? And it's amazing to me how many people look at me and say, what do you mean? And to me, that's the first telltale sign is that if you can't hit it like my passion is, you don't know what your passion is. And we all have passions. We need to embrace those passions, go all in on the passions. I don't ask what's your hobby. I don't ask what do you like to do for fun because that's sort of a, a mediocre response. I want to see people that get energized about something. Again, no judgment. You choose what you're going to be passionate about. I'm wildly passionate about Rutgers sports. Making that connection again, I, 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 I think back to... You were there, I know, but not all your viewers were. Sort of the 1990s where, where I'm standing in November at Rutgers Stadium where the team is 0-9. It's freezing out. There's maybe 8,000 people there, including security, the team, the cheerleaders, the band. And I'm still fired up yelling, this is our year, baby. You know what? It sounds like a crazy example, but whatever it is. And by the way, your passions change over time. Find something that really energizes you, something you can embrace and get excited about. For me, by the way, right now, it's this book. Like, this is my passion. I love talking about it. I want to get out and talk about it. I'm passionate about it. So that's, uh, what am I up to? Seven. Number eight, take a chance and get it done today. We don't take enough chances in our life. We we um, we often, I think the biggest regrets people have is the chance they didn't take. There was a, a book that I read in researching this book, a, a uh, palliative care nurse in Australia. Her name is... is uh, Bronnie Ware wrote a book about the the five the top five regrets of the dying the top five regrets of the dying and she goes through what what people regret and the key takeaway from the whole thing is the biggest regret people have on their deathbeds is what they didn't do not what they did so I I encourage people as they listen to this and they think about this take that chance we get too caught up in excuses we get too caught up in fear. We get too caught up in 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 risk, you know, what's going to happen. You know what? We usually overestimate what the risk is and we get more fearful and we don't take that chance. And then we often look to me, to a certain degree, it's the book. I talked about the book for probably a decade. You know what? It's time to stop. And I remember along the way, I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to write about. I don't know who's going to care about the book. I don't know if I could write a book. Stop. Write the damn book. And I did. And I'm so grateful. It's one of the greatest things I've done in the last decade. I'm so excited about it. Take a chance, get it done today. All right, we're in the home stretch here. Number nine, you can't make it alone. Can't make it alone. No one can make it alone. We, we, as we learned during COVID, and I think uh, it's an important message is we need to surround ourselves with people that are going to to help us uh, be a part of a community. I don't mean necessarily help us with our our goals, our dreams, so on and so forth. You want to be a part of a community. This is so vitally important to our success. One of the things I talk about in the book, which was was a, a truly fascinating study, um, the longest running study today on what makes a good life started at Harvard in the 1940s. And a class of sophomores, 268 sophomores were selected for the researchers to follow the rest of their life. Here we are 80 years later, and they're still following those that are alive. They also added a second cohort to this group of 456 disadvantaged youth in surrounding communities. So in total, they had about 700 people in this cohort of, of people. They've been following their entire lives to this day, physical assessments, psychological, emotional assessments, what makes a good life. And the key takeaway, the, the most interesting takeaway from this is what makes a good life is the power of social relationships. And the one stat that I remember more than anything, especially for a guy that's approaching the age of 50, 
is that those that rated their the strength of their social relationships the strongest at age 50 were the happiest physically and, and mentally healthiest at age 80. So at 50, if you knew you had strong social relationships that you could tie to that meant a lot to you, that translated into greater happiness and health, both physically and psychologically at age 80. Number 10, the last one, live today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make today the, the day that you're going to do what you're going to do. Now, this ties a little bit to take a chance to get it done. But I, I ask people in this, and, and I give everyone a little bit of a homework assignment. When I talk to them, I say, you know, I want you to, to close your eyes and, and imagine you're walking in a field. And, and uh, it's a beautiful day. It's a May day. The sun is shining. There's a light breeze. And, and um, you, could, you could smell the fresh cut grass. And you, you open your eye and you're, you're staring at a, a piece of granite piece of granite and you look down and on the first line of granite is your name. You're staring at your own tombstone. What would the next line or two be? What words are you going to use to, to, to encapsulate your life, your legacy, so to speak? Have you thought about that? And, and if not, today's the day to think about it and reflect on, is that the life you're living? Live today, don't wait for tomorrow. That's it. Those are the 10 principles. Again, it's not about remembering the 10 rules. That's not what's important. It's approaching your life and living every minute through that lens. Wow. Two quick things listening to you. And by the way, I was taking notes. No, I really was. You're like my teacher. You know, I literally was taking notes. I don't know if you saw me, but I was writing some things down. Um, the thing you said about learning, my, my only comment about that to reinforce is where I'm at, at at this septuagenarian stage in my life. Uh, I I I constantly look where I'm at, where I'm going, what I've recently accomplished, and it, it's beyond what I would ever dreamt. But uh, uh, my, you said learn, and and learn something every day. Uh, one day you wake up, like where I'm at now, and 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 it you almost it's I'm almost at the point where I. I, I can use and I do use all these things that I've learned. Uh, uh, it's it's all here. And, you know, you always say uh, a baby is a great sponge. It absorbs, baby absorbs. And one day it'll all come out one way or another. So you got to be careful what you say. Don't bad words, but boom. It's right, right. Come out. But uh, where I'm at now and what I've accomplished, it, it, it's uh, because I've learned a, a little bit each day. And you know what? It, it it's there, uh, and 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 I'm able to use it and and going forward. That's, awesome. that's so important, Scott. Agreed. The other thing we talked about this last week when we were kind of uh, chatting uh, is the whole notion of positivity, which is linked. And I've read articles, and I think I mentioned to you. I, I I don't know where I put those articles, but uh, positivity is linked to longevity. No question. No question. And, and the other thing about making friends and having a social linked to longevity. Yep. You know, I read all these, I read so many articles every day on the whole institution of longevity. Happier and healthier life. No you question. Bet. I agree. And, 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 and even to the point uh, where they're, they're linking some of the brain chemicals, genes, positive, the positivity notion Yep. To to even those things activating and creating uh, uh, longevity. So Absolutely. you are so, you know, life is the short guy is so on top of the. I'm, Thank I'm, you. You know, I'm saying this not because I'm excited about it. 
Yeah, uh, it, it's really real, and and the system works. Uh, we we've touched on you know Rutgers sports and loyalty, and we're both. All right, I know when I before we went on air, uh, one of the great moments. Uh, if I had to come up with a top ten, I th- I started to tell you this. When we got sidetracked. I got sidetracked. Um, and, and you have to appreciate it. But you know, I I was telling you that some of the great highlights of my life. Uh, you know, I graduated Rutgers, um, got married, got divorced, got married, uh, became a father. Uh, and and then in that top ten list of of things that were so exciting was the Louisville game in two thousand and six. Um. And and I actually wrote about that in my novel. I didn't fictionalize anything, but what it meant to me to be part of that, the energy and the happiness to see that. So, you know, again, it's all tied into your work. Now, I listen to you. Um, I'm just, I call it as I see it. You know, I shoot from the hip. Uh, you're really good. Thank you. You really, uh, uh, you've really got such a great handle on, on all this, and and it, it's so valuable for people to listen to. Um, uh, where do you want to ultimately, you know, take this direction? You know, this life is too short, guy. Where where would you like to take it? And the last question, double question: um, Where and when can people get this? Awesome. So uh, this is my mission now. There's no doubt about it. And I plan to spend a considerable amount of time uh, out telling this story. I want to be on platforms just like this, spreading this gospel, spreading this message, making the world happier, making people smile, making people think. Again, I don't expect the viewer to walk away and be like, all right, number six was or number seven. That's not what this is about. This is about stepping back and being like, huh, there was a nugget or two or three in there that I'm going to I'm going to just make a small change in my life. I'm going to smile a little more. I'm going to think about the world through a slightly more positive lens. I'm going to maybe perform a random act of kindness today, a small random act of kindness. It doesn't have to be massive. That in and of itself will make the world happier, which will make me happier. That's what I'm out to accomplish. I'm going to be out talking about this all over. I hope to be uh, speaking at universities. I hope to be speaking at corporate events. I hope to be speaking on podcasts, radio shows, television shows, so on and so forth. The book will come out in January. You'll be able to find it on Amazon, both in ebook and in soft copy. A couple months later, you'll be able to find it both as a hard copy and an audio book. And you can get more information at my website at uh, www.lifeistooshortguy. It's me, lifeistooshortguy.com. Thanks so much, Calvin. This was great. Um, hey, come back. You know, uh, come back. Come back after we win the NCAA. Um, come back. Awesome. Uh, in any shape, way, form, uh, because this was great. And and um, again, uh, I took notes, and you you've actually uh, impacted. I'm a happy guy anyway, uh, but you may be a little bit happier. So thank you so great. much, Scott. Thank you. Go, are you? Thanks, Calvin. Continued. Thank you. Keep smiling. Be well. I am. <laughs>